Hey everybody, there we go. Um, boy, this is really weird being here, you know, I got like two people, <laughs> you know, a few in the back, and uh, just, just so you know, you know, we have a, just a very small crew to do this. We're trying to, you know, uh, limit it to a certain number and the same people each time, and you know, we're, we're doing our best to, to follow the guidelines. Uh, as soon as we're done, I've got my mask here, I will put my mask back on. I have gloves that I will put on as well, just so you know. Um, it's just a little bit weird if I was trying to speak to you and you couldn't see me smile when I had my mask on. So uh, I'm trying to, uh, to be very careful though. So in these very trying testing times, last week, uh, actually Chris, can, uh, can you get me the uh, the clicker back there. Actually, why don't we go ahead and play that video first? Yeah, I had a video uh, that I wanted to play for you guys. Uh, uh, Billy Graham, it's only 49 seconds. And uh, let's go ahead and play that video. Habakkuk said, Lord, please tell me what you're doing. And God said, no, I'm not going to tell you, Habakkuk, because if I told you what I was doing, you wouldn't believe it. If God today told us what he's doing in the world, we wouldn't believe it. Don't you think God's given up and God's abdicated and God's left the throne? He hasn't. He's still on the throne. And those of us that know him put our trust in him and him alone. I don't put my trust in Washington. I don't put my trust in the United Nations. I don't put my trust in myself. I don't put trust in my money. I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When all the rest of it fails and crumbles and shatters, he'll be there. Last week we looked at Isaiah chapter 26, if you want to put that on the screen for me. It says this, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. We talked about this perfect peace, this shalom, shalom that God gives to us as we put our minds and fix our minds on him. And, and really the two kinds of peace that we can have are, are, number one, the peace with God that we have by surrendering our lives to him, by, by giving our, our hearts to Jesus, allowing him to come in and save us, to rescue us, to forgive us of our sins. And, and we have peace with God. And then the second kind of peace is the peace of God that he gives to us when we pray, talked about in uh, Philippians chapter 4. We, we need both. We need peace with God and we need the peace of God. And, and he gives both as we go to him, as we trust in him, and as we, as we lean on him. So <clears throat> I ask you the question today, do you have that peace? Do you have that shalom, shalom? If you don't, go to him. Go to him today. Go to him now. Now today, I, I want to ask a question, and you know how I like to ask questions. How is it going at your house? How is it going at your house? You know, we're, we're limited for the most part. I mean, some of you are still going out and working, but, but many of us are limited staying at our own houses with our own immediate families, and that's kind of, we're kind of locked into that. And, and so I ask the question, how is it going there in your house? What's it like? Is, is it easy? Is it hard? That's what I want to talk about today. I, I thought about uh, a, a situation in the Bible, as you'll all know about this. This is the, the Noah, the, the man called Noah, and, and, and the ark that he built. 
Him and his family built this ark. This is a, uh, a representation that is found at the Ark Encounter, and I think uh, Tony's been there, I think, right? And, uh, but, but it's hard to tell. I mean, if you look on, on the left, you'll see there are, actually there are people down there. You can see how small they are compared to this is a life-size, life-size replica of, of the Ark. But, but this story about the ark, it, there was a worldwide crisis. You can read about this, and I encourage you to go back to Genesis chapters 6 through 8. But there was this worldwide crisis, and God told Noah to go into the ark, you and your family, that it was going to be a place of safety. It was going to be a place of deliverance. It was just family, though, in this ark. You know, there were lots of animals in there, though. We'll, we'll think about that in a minute that they had to care for, that they had to feed. But it says that in in chapter 7 of Genesis that they were shut in by the Lord, that the Lord did this. The Lord shut them in. The question we we ask uh, so often about this crisis that we're in now is how long is it going to be? You you know, Noah uh, was, was in the ark, and it says there in those chapters that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Just the rain part. But then... They were out there for, it was over a year, over a year until they were able to get out of the ark. Now, I don't think that the crisis we're in now is going to last that long, but it may feel like that. Uh, You know, this last week feels like a year. Just what's going on and and how how we sense the the, the situation. After this year is over, though, I mean... uh, at. At the end of this period, it says that the waters, they receded gradually. And I think, too, there's going to be a gradual changing of our situation. But one of the best verses, I think, that I like the best in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, it says that God remembered Noah and his family. You see, God, you know, didn't just put him in a boat and let him just float out there and, and say, I'll get back to you. He, he remembered them. He, he knows about them. He knew about them, and he knows about you and I. He remembers you and me in the situation that that we're in, even now. The last thing I want to mention about that is after Noah and his family came out of the ark, what did they do? They built an altar to the Lord. You see, they knew it was God. And they had this heart of worship that they got out of the boat. The first thing that they did, they built an altar to the Lord. There was this heart of worship. So, Thinking about Noah and his family in that boat, I wonder how it was. I wonder how it was inside that boat. Yeah, it's obviously a very, very large ship, but but still, they were the only people in there with a whole bunch of animals. Was it difficult? Was it stressful at times? It probably was. Was it peaceful at times? Yeah, I think so. Was it boring? They didn't have TV, they didn't have internet, they didn't have, you know, the kinds of things that we have today. Was it challenging? I'm sure it was. Sometimes family can be pretty challenging, don't you think? So the question I want to follow up, my first question is, how's it going in your boat? You know, we're kind of like shut in, we're, we're, we're in this situation with our immediate families, and and if you look around, if you think about your family, the situation you're in, how's it going? What's it, what's it like? Thinking about our situation, you know, uh, at our house, uh, the boat that we're in, it, you know, it, it hasn't, 
in, in some ways it hasn't changed much because I work a lot at home and, and uh, it, it, so in some ways it hasn't changed much, but there's this underlying sort of stress. There's this underlying anxiety that, that's affecting all of us in, in our house. And I think that's true for us today. We have to kind of recognize some of these things. In, in Noah's boat, you know, were they wondering, like, how long are we going to be in this boat? How, how long until we get back on the, on the land? Now, I want to look at the scripture I want to look at today. is found in Matthew chapter 14. And there was another boat. The disciples of Jesus, they were in this boat. And it had been a very, very rough day, a, a busy day, a long day. And, of course, the, the, lie, the lives that they were leading just following after Jesus were, were pretty intense. But they had just heard about John the Baptist being killed. And they, were try, they had tried to get away for some quiet time by themselves, but the crowds all showed up. And Jesus, it says he had compassion and he healed and then, you know, there's 5,000 plus women and children. Uh, they were hungry, and so Jesus fed them a miraculous time. So that, you know, that, that kind of all took place. And at the end of this day now is where we pick it up. Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says this, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. He made them get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd, while he told the crowd to, to leave and go back to their homes. You see, it wasn't really their choice. The disciples didn't make the choice. Jesus made them get in that boat. Jesus said, this is what I want you to do now. And, and they were to go on ahead of him to the other side of the lake. The other side of the Sea of Galilee is what this lake is, this water, this body of water that they were now out on ahead. He wanted them to go on ahead of him to the other side. You see, Jesus knew all along what would happen, and he knew that the, the plan and the pur purpose of it was to get to the other side. I think you and I need to remind ourselves of that, that, that Jesus knows all about it. He's going to get us to the other side of this. He will. That's his plan. We will get there. And, and we have to remind ourselves of that when, it, when things are difficult, when we're about to you know, snap at each other. Wait a minute, this is not permanent. We're going to get to the other side. But while they're in the boat, what will happen until we get to the other side? What's going to take place in our lives? What will we learn? What, you know, how will we treat each other during this time? We need to be very careful. As I said, there's this underlying current and, and we're kind of all on edge. So we need to be very careful and, and add a little bit of extra patience, a little bit of extra time before we respond. So Jesus dismisses the crowd, it says. And then after he dismissed them in verse 23, it says he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there. He was all alone. He was there and he was alone. Uh, kind of a radical thing. Now, he puts them in the boat and he sends them on. And they're now out on this sea in the boat. And we're going to see that the waves start to come up. But where's Jesus? We can say that we're in the boat and we're in our situation. Well, Jesus, where are you? Because, you know, we don't see you. We, we're, we're going through this. Now, where are you in our, in our lives, in our situation? But, but when you think about what Jesus was doing and where he was, he was up on the mountainside. He was actually praying. 
And I believe that one of the things he was praying for was his disciples out on the water. He's praying for you and I. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, that he is interceding. He's praying on our behalf, on the behalf of his children, the believers. Hebrews chapter 7, it says this, that he always lives to make intercession. He's alive right now. He's at the right hand of the throne of God, interceding for you and for me right here and right now. The second thing I notice about this is that Jesus sets an example for his disciples, and I believe he sets an example for you and I as, as well. He, he says, listen, it's been an insane day. And what does he do? I need to get alone and be with the Father. I need to spend some quiet time. I need to, to get alone and pray. That's, you know, in the midst of what we're going through now, too, do you have a place where you can go even just by yourself? Go lock yourself in a closet. Go put yourself in the bathroom, lock the door, and, and, and get alone with God. Find a place somewhere. Jesus said it in Matthew 6, verse 6. He says, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father in secret, and he will answer openly. But, but go and have this quiet, secret time with him. Verse 24, Matthew 14, it says this, Jesus was up there praying, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land. It was like way out there, in other words. And it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. It was buffeted by the waves and the wind was against it. It was, it was not a good situation out there. It was very difficult. Uh, different words that were used by different translations says, uh, one says they were tossed, another says they were battered, another says they were fighting heavy waves, another says they were beaten. This was all happening in these disciples. Now, you know, many of them were fishermen, so they were actually familiar with this kind of thing. But I wonder, you know, you and I, do you ever feel that way, that the wind is against you, that everything is against you? This is like all coming against me. Even even now, I'm not able to work. I'm not able to just go out and do what I want to do. I'm not able to freely move about. I'm limited. I'm stuck here. It's all coming against me. It's rough. It's not easy. I... I want to tell you, you know, people say, hey, do you want to go out on the boat? And my first thought is, no. But I think about it, you know, well, are you going to stay in the bay where it's nice and quiet? And then maybe I'll go with you. But if you go, if you go out to a place where there's any kind of movement and action, I, I don't want to go. Why? Because I get seasick. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. So sometimes, you know, so much is going on. We, 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 we're facing all these things. How's it going in your boat? Is there fear? Is there worry? Is there a, a sense of, of off balance, the seasickness, that all you can think about is when, is when can I get back to land? Is there doubt? Verse 25 says this, that during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake the fourth night uh, excuse me the fourth watch of the night is between three and six a.m a very dark it's like you know it's a very dark time of night so at the darkest time of the night 
Jesus, it says, he goes to them. He knew, he knew where they were. He didn't need any, you know, flashlights or lights. As we said in the beginning, he's the light of the world. And he knew exactly where they were, and, 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 he, and he went to them at the darkest hour. He was, walking, he was walking on the lake, it says. He was walking on the Sea of Galilee, even amidst all the wind and the waves. This is miraculous. This is impossible. And yet Jesus does it. Why? Because he knew where his disciples were. He knows where you are. He knows where I am. He knows those days and nights when we're struggling. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be, handle, be able to handle much more of this. And he comes to them. I like someone said this, a, a, a commentator from many years ago. He says, the waves that cause fear are under his feet. Don't you like that? The waves that cause fear are under his feet. He's walking. He's on top of it. He's not drowning. He's not sinking. He's not having a, a tough time of it at all. But interesting enough, when Jesus saw, excuse me, when his disciples saw him, verse 26, they saw him walking on the water. It says they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they, they cried out in fear. Their fear just got multiplied. I say, like, why is that? It was Jesus, you know. It was like they, they should have known. They'd been with him for a long time. They should have known this is Jesus, that he would certainly, of course, he would come and help them. But they saw this, and they got even more fearful and frightened, I think. And I really think it had something to do with the situation that they were in. They were already in this very tense, difficult situation, being battered and beaten and tossed. I think for you and I too, the situation that we're in, we're, we're influenced by what we're going through. And again, that is going to make us overreact. It's going to make us see things that are bad as much worse. Maybe even see things that are good as much better, perhaps, but this thing we're going to overreact. And we need to be careful of that. Jesus came to, he came to them, he, he went to them, and what did he do? He spoke to them. Verse 27, it says this, But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. He spoke to them. Jesus is still speaking today. If we'll listen, if we'll get past the fear, he said, listen, Take courage, and literally it means to be courageous. He wants you and I to be courageous during this difficult time. Don't, you know, don't let it beat us down, but let's stand up as disciples, as followers of Jesus. Be courageous and know that it's him, and don't be afraid. You see, his word changes everything. His presence changes everything for you and for me as believers, as follows followers of him. He gives us the courage to combat the fear, to fight the fear. This next uh, couple of verses uh, are very, very well known. We know all about it. Verse 28, Peter speaks up and he says this, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter says, if it really is you, and maybe he wants confirmation. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, come, yes, it is me, come. And then Peter got down out of the boat. 
And he walked on the water and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. He cried out, Lord, save me. We, we all know the, the messages. We've heard many, many messages about this. You know, Peter out there on the water. But, but what about this, that he had the courage? Jesus said, be courageous. It's me. He said, and, and Peter said, if it is you, I, I'm, I, you know, ask me to come out on the water. And, and Jesus said, come and what? He had cur- courage and he, and he stepped out on the water. He did the miraculous. He was able to survive. And, 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 and then what happened, though, is he began to look away from Jesus to the circumstances. He began to look at the wind and the waves. And what happens? He begins to sink. One person said this, as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was able to do the impossible. If not, he, he sinks. And that's true for you and I. We need to more now, more than ever, keep our eyes on Jesus. We, if we're going to look around at all this stuff that's going on, we're going to sink. We're going we're to start to sink. Sometimes I think it's, it's the media that we pay too much attention to and pay not enough attention to our Savior Jesus. We're looking at the waves and the wind and the, the media, you know, they, they, you know, you know this, their ratings are built on how many people watch, and they will, they will make it, and they will make it as, as uh, powerfully to affect your emotions as they possibly can. But Jesus, on the other hand, he wants to tell us to be courageous and to not be consumed with fear. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we begin to sink, and as Peter began to sink, and Jesus said, well, too bad, good luck. No, it says that Peter cried out to Jesus, and, and when we feel ourselves beginning to sink, we need to do the same thing, and it's okay. Jesus has you know, grace for you and for me and mercy. And he cries out to Jesus, and it says in verse 31, immediately, it says immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him, But he did say these words, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt me? Keep your eyes on me. Keep trusting in me. I'm going to take care of you. Warren Wiersbe said this, doubt and fear always go together. And faith and peace always go together too. Doubt and fear to go together and faith and peace go together. So for you and I, To combat the fear, we need to have faith and trust. He says, Jesus said to them, you have little faith, why did you doubt? Verse 32, and when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat, they worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. You know, they got into the boat and, and it says that, that the wind died down and things calmed right down. Jesus, again, his presence makes a huge, huge difference. But there will come a time when, when the storms that are around us now, they are going to die down. This isn't going to last forever, as I said. But what really strikes me is what happens when he, 
when Jesus gets in the boat, it says those who were in the boat, they worshiped him. And they're in this boat now, if you can kind of picture this, and they are, they are actually worshiping him. They're worshiping him, and they say this, they say, truly, you are the son of God. They saw Jesus for who he was. You know, they were frightened before, but now they, 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 they recognize him and they see him as who he is. The very son of God, God the son. And, and it says they worshiped him. Is there any worship going on in our boats? Are we taking any time at all to say, Jesus, you are truly the son of God and I worship you? I think maybe, maybe uh, you know, we need to have more worship music playing in our houses. We need to, you know, play songs that will bring us and, and bring us to the throne of God where, we're, where we will be able to worship him. It's available too, you know, that same internet that gives you all that media. They also have an abundance of worship channels worship music that you you can let it play all day long if you like that's something we need to take advantage of but it's really an attitude of our hearts are we going to worship him i mentioned noah earlier as well noah it says that he got out of the ark and what did he do he built an altar to the lord he worshiped finally verse 34 We'll finish with this. It says, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. They got to the other side. They made it to the other side. Jesus said all along, he said, you're going to get to the other side. He had a plan. He had a purpose. And guess what happens? They get to the other side. He has a plan and a purpose for you and I, and he's going to get us to the other side. You know, ultimately, the other side is heaven for those of us that are believers that have been born again by the Spirit of God. Ultimately, the, the, the other side is heaven. But even in this life, you know, we face these storms and these trials. He's going to get us through the other side. But we're in the middle of it. We, we start to hit the panic button. We start to freak out. And, and I know I do, too. We, we've got a big red, and I picture it, you know, in my house, a big red panic button that things start to get a little bit out of control and, and too much change or whatever. Hit the panic button. But what we need to hit is the prayer button. Find the prayer button. Find the worship and get back with him. So one more time, I'll ask you, how's it going in your boat? You know, you've got all this extra time together. What's going on? You know, I've heard people talk about it. You know, in one sense, it's a, it's a time that you can connect more than you ever have. It's, you, you know, it's an opportunity that you, that you and I have to connect with our families more than we have if, if, we, if, if we won't be so consumed by the fear and the doubt and the insecurity of the situation. If we won't, you know, be, let the stress keep us from what is right before our very eyes. The truth of the matter is it, it will not last forever, you know. We can either take advantage of it and enjoy it and appreciate it, or we can just like make it miserable and finally someday we're going to get through it and, and are we going to look back and say, wow, I was miserable the whole time. Or, or are we going to look back and say, wow, 
I had some special times with my wife, with my kids, with my family. And of course, spend time with Jesus to keep our eyes on Him. Are we going to take a little bit of extra time now? We don't have to go to work, maybe. We've got 40 more hours that, that we didn't have before. Can we take some time to open up the Word of God and spend some time with Him? Turn off the TV set, turn off your phone, turn off the computer, and spend a little bit of time with Jesus to connect with Him instead of all the fear and the worry and the doubt, to have this worship, to have peace, to have trust, to have prayer. I think about, I, I thought about this uh, in terms of what I've just been saying. You know, we, we have this huge, huge fear of this virus, and I think we need to be afraid of it in one sense. But is that really what's consuming us? What about the fear of the Almighty God, the awe of the Almighty God, the reverence and fear of Him? What about to be afraid, to be fearful that we won't receive everything that God wants to give to us during this time? That's what I was thinking about. I don't want to miss what God has for me, even personally, for us as a fellowship, even for, for you as a as a family, in your family group, be afraid that we might miss what he has for us, the, the, the things he wants to say to us. Let's not miss those. I want to close with a quote I, I found this morning, April 5th, in uh, Streams in the Desert. It just happens to be, coincidentally, from today's uh, reading and this was written, uh, mind you, back in 1925, so they had no way of knowing. But it's, it's from 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 4, and there was a widow lady who, who was in very difficult straits. She couldn't pay the bill. They, she was about to be thrown out of her, her, her lodgings. And she went to the prophet, and the prophet said this. He said, go and shut the door at your house, upon you and your sons. And you can read the whole story there. He, he said, go there, and, and, and some miraculous things happened, but they were closed up together, just her and her sons. And it was in that house, I'm not going to get into the whole story, but in that house, God did something miraculous to take care of her and her family. But let me read to you what the writer here says about this verse. It says, they were to be alone with God. For they were not dealing with the laws of nature, nor human government, nor the church, nor the priesthood, nor even with the great prophet of God. But they must needs be isolated from all creatures, from all leaning circumstances, from all props of human reason, and swung off, as it were, into the vast blue interstellar space, hanging on God alone, in touch with the fountain of miracles." said they were in this chamber of isolation, a secret chamber of isolation in prayer and faith, which every soul must enter, and they'll find it fruitful there. One last thought here. It says there are times and places where God will form a mysterious wall around us and cut away all these things, 
all the ordinary way of doing things and shut us up to something divine, which is utterly new and unexpected, something that old circumstances do not fit into, where we do not know just what will happen, where God is cutting the cloth of our lives on a new pattern, where he makes us look to himself. That's powerful. Let's not miss him in the middle of this storm and of this life. Let's bow our heads and our hearts. We're going to pray together now. We're going to reach out to Jesus. We're going to reach out to the Father and ask him for his help. Our gracious Father in heaven, we come before you. We, we, are, uh, we are in a storm, very difficult, and we're isolated. We're in this chamber of isolation. But, but Lord, I believe that you want to speak to us. You want to help us. You want to be with us. You want to, to bring fruit. You want miraculous things even to happen in our homes and in our lives during this time. God, help us not to miss it. Help us not to miss what you have for us during these times because we're so fearful of, of all the storm. We're fearful of the, the circumstances. Help us not to miss you in the middle of this. Help us not to miss our families. God, help us. We cry out to you, Lord. May we not be sinking and, and missing uh, seeing your face in the middle of all these trials, Lord. Father, I pray right now for any maybe that have never received that peace with you through your son Jesus. You made it possible as, we're, as we are thinking next week of the cross and the resurrection that through your, through your cross you died for our sins and you rose from the dead, Jesus, so that we could have peace with God in all that we need to do is believe in you and receive you into our hearts and lives. Maybe there's some hearing this message today. Maybe that's you. You need to open your heart and life and, and believe in Jesus, what he did. Receive it for yourself. Simply pray and say, Jesus, I reach out. I, I ask you in my, my life. I'm lost. I need hope. I'm sinking. I'm drowning. I need you. Please come in, forgive me, be my Lord, be my Savior. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. And by your Spirit, you're with us each and every day. You'll never leave us, never forsake us, no matter what the storms of life are. Father, we thank you for this day. Help us in this day, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.